Hi, this is Jay Sunhalter, ESPN3 analyst and former Pirate football tight end. And you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. With us right now, Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, dude? How's it going? Really looking forward to tonight's show. I'm talking football with Double B and then also Chris Hughes of Carolina Preps. I tell you what, if there's never been a prima donna, it's Kyle from LaGrange. I've never, I literally had like two seconds to punch you up. And Brian Bailey, TV knows, <laughs> I literally had a couple seconds to punch you up. What's up, dude? I guess he was in his dressing room and finally got, are you, were you in your dressing room and come yeah, on the set now? Yes, Brian, who you talking to? I'm talking to you. Actually, I was. I was changing my shirt. It's funny you say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, with us right now, one of my dear friends from a long time, hard to believe I've known him for 24 years, uh, the sports director for WNCT Channel 9 in Greenville, Brian Bailey. How are you, Double B? Very good. How's everything? Very excited to have you on. I'm hoping, to, since I'm seeing your face, and uh, obviously people listen to the podcast will hear your voice, I'm hoping that that means that we've got sports coming up, at least with uh We'll talk about later in the interview with you about high school football, which that's a disappointment, but at least we have that in the spring. But uh, as far as college football, I'm hoping that seeing you tonight that we'll have uh, September 12th, we'll be able to have the kickoff against Marshall Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Yeah, you know, the way it goes right now is that every day that you get closer, that's one little inch closer to possibly having football. We all know that it's still a possibility that we won't have football, but uh, right now, all systems are go, and you just you just hold your breath and hope that nothing big happens with the with the COVID. You know, Chapel Hill, where they sent the students with, with online only classes starting tomorrow, and then Mac Brown had some great comments today, and really he thinks it's going to help his football program because everybody's gone. So I mean, you know, it's it's kind of and all the sports shows today have been debating with, is that the right way to do it and that kind of thing. But Coach Brown said a lot of his his student athletes were all doing online classes anyway. So he said it wasn't that big a deal. No, and you're right. They're, they're more isolated w- without the, the undergrads there. And UNC has, I guess, probably the biggest graduate program in the, uh, in the, in the, in the state. So there's still a lot of people on campus, but you know, I kind of agree with Mac and I hate to say that, but it kind of isolates the kids more. The less people that are around them, the better. Yeah. Coach Houston may want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, one of the things I asked coach about uh, the press conference just a little bit ago was the very fact of uh, he's got to be proud of the way his team has conducted themselves with, uh, you look at East Carolina. I know that with, uh, the chancellor and with Greenville and ECU, they've worked really hard to shut down these big parties. As soon as, uh, they have a big party and they find out about it, they go there and shut it down to, in hopes that they'll be able to keep the numbers of COVID from spreading. Yeah. And that was one of the big questions. You know, we joked about it and, and we said, what are you going to do when Susie comes to town and, wants to go out with one of the football players. I mean, and that's that's got to be one of the big questions on everybody's mind. I mean, you know, those guys are, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. We all know what it was like to be that age. And these guys are good looking. They're not like us. I mean, they're good looking guys. Bro, Ron, I'm 39 and I'm still like that. What are you talking about? There you go. I mean, so, so it's it's one of those things that it's inevitable that, that people, young people are going to get together. And as Coach Houston said a couple of times, we've got to protect our season. And that's what he's preached the whole time. We've got to do the right things 
We've got to protect our season. And I think that's how they looked at it. And I think, you know, knock on wood, it's so far so good. Can we swab their girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And all that contact tracing, how are we going to find all that out? You know, Susie's wandering around there somewhere, I can tell you. That's too much, uh, too much math and too much trying to, oh man, my brain hurts to think about that. I want to get your opinion, obviously being, uh, for those that don't know, because it feels like you are an ECU grad, being an ODU grad, what did you think about the football team, uh, not having a football season? That's got to be kind of odd, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I just don't think that, that, you know, everybody throwing the tally in like the Big Ten and the Pac 12 and, you don't know how much of that is political. And, and you, now you see the Big Ten parents have gotten together and they've got all these letters. You've got this petition that's out there and it's just one big battle. We were talking today about the Heisman Trophy. If everybody plays that's supposed to play and everybody play, the other team, you know, schools play in the, in the spring, are you going to have a Heisman Trophy in December? Or do you have to wait till the spring? I, you know, I mean, there's so many questions about everything and I don't know how spring football is really going to work. I did hear a plan. The Big Ten's talking about uh, kicking off on New Year's Day in domes all around the Midwest, which I think is very intriguing if they can pull that off. But I just don't know how much safer it is for those guys in, on January 1st to play as it is in September 12th. It's not. The, you know, your vaccine's just going to start becoming out and if everything goes right in late January. So uh, that didn't make any sense at all. Um you talk about how things are going to work and how things will look. One thing we talked about on here was bowl games. You know, you have 42 bowl games. That's 84 teams. As we sit today, 76 teams are playing college football. So, you know, how's that going to work? How many bowl games will be played this December and January? Will we have bowl games? Will five and five get you bowl eligible if you play 10 games? Right. I mean, those are the questions that got to be answered. Will they have bowl games? You know, will fans be allowed to go? They won't bring them in if the fans can't go. So, it's just it's we just got to get through 2020 somehow and have a normal year and you hate that for the student athletes because you know as I've always said when I coached you know back when my daughter was playing our son was playing you know I always would tell him you only go through it once that's all you get you get one shot at this thing and these guys aren't even getting a, a real shot in some respects and the seniors last year in high school lost their spring seasons you know the football players now trying to play in the spring seven games only you know, North Carolina High School Athletic Association kind of reduced all their sports in their schedule. So, I mean, nobody gets a normal year. Brian, your best friend, Mike Hamrick, announced today that uh, Marshall <laughs> would be uh, would be opening up the season September 5th against Eastern Kentucky up in Huntington. So, they're playing an FCS opponent the week before they play the Pirates. Uh, Bub asked Coach Houston post-practice today uh, if he would like to see you still on to do the same. And uh, without saying he would like the same, he said he would like the same. Do, do you think there's any way we add an FCS opponent? I know Campbell is going to play four games. They've got two scheduled so far with Georgia Southern and App State, for example. Uh, do, do you think there's any way at, at this point that we try to schedule an FCS September 5th now that Marshall has? Um, obviously, it would be with no fans because there's no chance of going into phase three before September 12th. Right. Yeah, be with no fans. But – you know, it's, it's got to be a, a possibility, but you, you think about, you know, one of the things they've talked about, one of the reasons they moved to the 12th is because there hasn't been any staff, you know, on campus in the athletic department all summer. And they've got a lot of work to do to get ready for, you know, college football at Daddy Bicklin Stadium. So I don't know if, if that extra week would, would help them, you know, to staff everything, if they could get it all done by the 5th. 
I'd like to see it. I think Coach Houston would love to see it. Yeah, to well, maybe he's looking at it the other way. If you know you're not going to have any fans on the fifth, look at that as a test run before you before you maybe you get a thirty percent capacity on the twelfth. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think that would be big for the program. But somebody better tell Coach Houston if he's playing on the fifth because right now he's planning on playing on the twelfth. Yeah, it sounds like he would like it, uh, but that needs to be done as soon as possible if we're going to do it. Yeah, I agree. You got to get that thing if if you're going to do it. But uh, yeah, I think it would be it would be a it's going to be a great advantage for Marshall because you get a chance to play a game, and that's just that's just football 101. If you you get a chance to play a game, you iron out some things. The old cliche is that coaches say that you're always you know you show your most improvement from game one to game two, and uh, and without any spring practice. And all you get is the scrimmages, you know, this summer. So, yeah, I, I'd love to see a game on the fifth. Yeah. Now, Brian, we have we have some uh, comments and questions from our viewers. Uh, Josh Smith, former East Carolina defensive lineman, chiming in. He said, "Barbershops are open, BB." What do you think? I need a I need a haircut. And then also Richard Allsbrook said, do you see ECU and the AAC potentially taking some of the Pac-12 and Big Ten um, canceled television slots? I think that's a real possibility. If this thing goes as we hope and they get the chance to play, there's going to be some open slots. And we've talked about it a couple of times that this may be the biggest thing that the American Athletic Conference you know, could have happen. I mean, I think the American, if everything is as safe as we hope that it is, the American has to take advantage of this. And if, if they could get a team like a UCF, USF, and East Carolina, somebody to really have a great year and, you know, they can make some noise. I don't know if they could get into the playoff, but this would be their best chance. Yeah, you, you, that's a good question. If you take a UCF uh, or Cincinnati, for example, and they go undefeated, uh, you know, would this be the year that they got in the playoffs? If, if it wasn't this year, I, you know, you got to wonder if it would ever happen. Um, well, I joked with, uh, oh God, who was I talking to? I don't even remember who I was talking to. It may have been, uh, may have been Morgan Aylers. Um, I said, you know, I, I can see right now they were talking about the playoffs. Are, are we going to take an eight and four Auburn or a 12 and 0 UCF? Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's the shame that the American working on the power six narrative. They've tried to do and instill that. The thing about the American, you know, they're the best of the group of five, no doubt. But they just can't get into that that Power Five moniker, and that's that's what they would you know would dearly love to do. And with the and there's so many teams in, in all the conferences that really don't deserve to be Power Five and to get all the money that they get. And you know the Cincinnati's and the USF's, the UCF's, the East Carolinas. I mean, there's some schools that really deserve to get into some of that deal. Especially you know, UCF has had an amazing run, and and just the things that they've accomplished and. It's just it's disheartening when you look at it as far as 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 the the conference is concerned. But you know, Mike Oresco does a really good job as the commissioner, and I think he'll guide this league. And you know, I think they've got the best man in charge. Speaking of the league, um, Temple came out. Their athletic director, I can't think of Temple's AD's name right now, uh, said yesterday they may stick with just a conference only schedule. They've lost all four of their non conference games, and the city of Philadelphia has already told them no fans. Uh, so they said they may not start playing until September 26th and just do a conference-only schedule. Um, doesn't seem like, in my opinion, that the conference should allow that. I mean, uh, that could be an advantage or a disadvantage. You, you take them not playing any games, uh, get into conference play, 
by the time, you know, September 26 rolls around, everybody else is going to play at least two games. You could have some big advantages early on with everybody being healthy, and you could have a bunch of guys already out for injuries and uh, COVID-related issues for other teams. Yeah, but the other side of it is, as we talked about, the advantage of playing that September 5th date. You know, if you get two games under your belt, and then you and one of them is a non-conference game, and then you know you get a chance to play. So I, I think that uh, I think not playing any non-conference games is a bigger disadvantage than it would be an advantage. No, you got a good point. Yeah. Another interesting nugget from Coach Houston's uh, post-practice press conference today, um, kind of Stephen Igo had a question piggybacking off of something that Donnie Kirkpatrick had alluded to in your interview with him yesterday, and that was the COVID-related issues with the offensive line and how that's allowed um, Coach Shank and company to build some depth there. So um, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, and that's going to be key. I mean, we all know that, that you know, we look at the – championships in Conference USA for East Carolina, and that was – the defensive line was so good. The offensive line has to be good for Holton to have time. If you give him time, he can pick you apart. And I, I think – and Holton's the type of leader, and he, lo- he loves those guys. And if they can build some depth, which it sounds like they are, and Coach Shankweiler obviously is one of the best in the business. I mean, we've watched him through his, what, fourth stint at East Carolina, and I've been through all four of them with him. I mean, it's like a yo-yo. He keeps coming back, but he—he's uh, one of the best. I mean, he's—he's he's so good at what he does, and he loves—you know—loves the—the idea of coaching those kids and teaching those kids. And it's a—it's a good match as far as that goes for Coach Houston. Brian, despite all the COVID and, and et cetera, uh, did, are you getting the same sense that I am? This coaching staff seems to have a lot more confidence in this team than they did last year's. Oh, no doubt. And talking to Donnie, I even asked Donnie. I think I did ask him on the air. I said, I know you're on the offensive side of the football, but how good is this defense this year? How much improvement have you seen? And he said, it's unbelievable that they run so much better, that they're stronger. He said, they seem to really like one another. That's the one thing that you hear a lot of, that the whole team likes one another. But, you know, defensively, you know, if they could have just slowed down like SMU last year and, and in some other games, they, they could have had a couple more wins. And I think, that's what really gets at Donnie and some of those guys. As Donnie said, we didn't sign up for four wins. And that's not what we're about. And that's all we, they were able to get last year. So I think that they'll be fired. It's just it's just an odd thing, though. We shouldn't be talking about if we play. We should be talking about the game is this date. And, we're, and they're going to play this date. But we can't say that. <laughs> I think it's pretty fine. Me and Bubba were talking about this yesterday. Uh, it had it stayed scheduled for the 29th and there was no COVID. We'd literally get, we'd literally be saying we're going to play next weekend. Right. And, and that's, you know, high school football was supposed to start coming up what, this Friday night. I mean, yep. you know, this is the time of year that I joke with, with my wife and my family. We used to go on a vacation in late July, early August, and then we crank it up. And I mean, this week is one of those, I go in early to work on graphics and work on different things with touchdown Friday and, I, I get nervous. I get nervous every time for the first show. It's like 35, 36 years in, I still get scared to death for that first show. Because you don't know, every year in high school football, with our show, we have new people coming in. And they're all, they don't know what, what it's like. You can't explain it to anybody. You can show them last year's show, but they only give them a taste of it. And then, you know, but after the first show, usually, usually it goes pretty well. And then we can get better and better from there. Bailey, what's it like to have people my age, 39 years old, Saying they watched, I thought like a Pepsi touchdown Friday, touchdown Friday, as a uh, as a kid growing up, and have watched you as well. It's gonna make you feel really old. Well, you know, it's funny because I've had gray hair for a long time, and I think a lot of people think I'm like eighty now. 
So I'm only 58, but but yeah. I, I got here when I was 21, 22. I was. So I was really young when I got here and started. And I, my goal was to go to Raleigh or go to Greensboro, go to Charlotte. And I just started raising a family and fell in love with this place and just you know, never really – I think I've applied to two job for two jobs over the last 36 years. And I think I was in the top three, both of them, but I didn't get either one of them. And wasn't that big a deal when it turned out. Brian, if, if <laughs> gets back to a bowl this year, if there is bowl games, will you grow your mustache back? I grow it back for a mustache March with Cliff Godwin and those guys. And I, I hate it I and because I try to do a goatee. I tried to do all kinds of different things. One year I colored it. That was the craziest thing. I colored it brown, so I had white hair with a brown goatee. <laughs> and my people at the station were too nice to tell me that. Look, that looks terrible. But it, it did. It looked it looked god awful. But it was uh, it, it was fun to do. And and you know, Coach Godwin and those guys do such a good job with with the uh, ALS. I do a lot of stuff with the uh, the ALS walk in town. I've emceed that in the last fifteen years or so. And uh, that that's mustache march is cool because I never thought I would grow it back. I told the guys at the peach ball I would never never grow it back. But, you know, they wanted to shave my head that year. I had to talk them into the mustache. <laughs> uh, Brian, that had to be weird uh, for all of us. I know that when that whole thing was going down, when we start the baseball season. Speaking of Cliff Godwin, and I know it seems like I was telling you two or three years. It seems like instead of a handful of months um, since that time, but. Uh, I know that had to be hard on Coach Godwin as a competitor. Uh, it's really hard for members of the media and the fans because you're like so used to baseball season with the talent that was coming back. That certainly had, I, I feel like, was at least a super regional team. And to lose, you know, those games and then those guys, some of the guys, you know, going to the draft like Burley, for example, uh, I know that's got to be killing him. What could have been? Yeah, and, and I think after a while you kind of you kind of look through it and you start building to the next year. But that 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 time that week, I'll never forget that week because you know they were on the road at UNC Wilmington, and on the way to Wilmington, they got word that the Ivy League had canceled all their spring sports, and they had I think it was Columbia was coming to town for a three game series. So then Coach Common was on the phone trying to find somebody to come play three games. Well, UNCW game that night, so he was busy trying to do that, and you know I think the next. I think that was on a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. That Thursday morning is when I went to the ACC tournament, and I got there about you know 10:45 a.m. They had just announced they were definitely playing on that Thursday, and then by noon they had canceled. It was it was a scary, scary time, and it was it was really surreal. Was what it was. No doubt about it. Hey, Bubba, I know with our, our good friend and yours too, Brian Bailey, Cy Seymour. He was gonna. We were trying to get him right before the the American tournament. And I know that there was some with scheduling and some flights or something that the scheduling just didn't work out. And then he sent Bubba some pictures of how surreal that was uh, down there at Fort Worth of that court and no fans. It, you know, it, it was just uh, bizarre. And then right as they thought they were going to play the tournament, uh, right before the tournament started, the, I guess the ADs got together along with the commissioner. And next thing you know, that one's gone. It's just like every. And then I know that Coach K has said, uh, with Mark Packer and uh, recently again, I read again today that we've got, to, I want to get your thoughts on this. He, he's like talking about, Hey, we've got to have March Madness for the NCAA with all the money that financially, how, how much that brings in it. Yeah. And I've read some stories saying that they may try to have the tournament in a bubble somewhere, which I don't know how that would work. I mean, these are student athletes. How are you going to, you know, take them away for, for a whole month? But 
you know, you just got to hope that this thing goes away forever at some point. Uh, you know, I really miss that. That's one of the things, you know, as a sports fan, we were cheated out of the, the March madness and how much fun that is every year. And, and, you know, just opening day of baseball and, you know, baseball is really weird. You know, with you watch Fox and they got all these these virtual fans in the stands, and then they hit a foul ball and they're all gone. I mean, it's just it's just wild to me. And the NBA, I just noticed some of their fans today. I thought they were they were real people for a while, but they're they're all virtual as well. And uh, it's a virtual world right now, I guess. No doubt about it. What about? Uh, what about in the NFL with your Cowboys? You think we're going to have an NFL season? I think so. I think that's the, our best chance. And, you know, I, I'm really encouraged still about college football that we've got a chance, you know, to still have it. Uh, I think the pros is a better chance. And I think if we don't have college football, I think the NFL is going to move some games to Saturdays and maybe even Friday nights. I think they're going to they're going to bounce around some, some games and, and there'll be plenty to keep an eye on. I mean, we, it's going to be really weird because I think I'm going insane anyway. And then all of a sudden you're going to have the masters in November and you're going to have, have you know, this is going to go on. You're not going to know what season it is. We got high school football in, in February. Are you kidding me? But uh, are, are you going to do this on Friday in February? We don't know yet. We've got a, a zoom in the morning. We're going to talk about some plans for high school sports in general. And then we're gonna we're gonna try. If it's only a seven week schedule, I think a lot of it depends on the playoffs. If they have playoffs, if they have a postseason like they normally do, then that would give us nine or ten weeks, you know, to do a show. Uh, we do a half an hour show, which is longer than anybody else does. And the, one of the segments that we have in that show is usually an East Carolina preview, an ACC preview. So we wouldn't have that in the spring. We could do a Big Ten preview if they end up playing in the spring. <laughs> But hey, look, uh, look ahead to the weekend in pirate baseball. Right. And, and that's what well, we try to orient it towards football because it's touchdown Friday, but we could, that's one of the things we could talk baseball. We could talk, you know, because if it's a Friday night, then the then game one of the series, if they do things like they have, and I've heard even rumors, they may go to Saturday doubleheaders and one game Sunday and get the teams out. So I, I think there's so much up in the air still that we just don't know what we're going to see. That's uh, that's one interesting thing. The very thing that's the very fact I thought about yesterday. The very fact I never thought in a million years that high school football would be going. My birthday is April fourteenth, so we could potentially be playing high school football on my birthday. And you know how March is. I mean, March is 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 a horrible weather month usually. I mean, you know, in like a lion, out like a lamb, or vice versa. But you know, late February to start practice. I mean, those those boys. They're going to be working out in January and February getting ready for a season. They're used to summer heat. It's going to be summer blizzard. I will give them credit with North Carolina High School Athletic Association or whatever the hell it's called. Um, they, they did come out with a schedule all at one time saying, this is when we're playing football, this is when we're playing basketball, this is when we're playing baseball. And it was organized, and it was a set period all, all at one time, so there was no questions. So I, I do give them credit for that. Well, I give them credit for that. I just think, you know, I was hoping they would play in the fall because if you're going to send them back to school, you know, so many of these guys, I mean, that's what they live for. They live, you know, they, and that's just a fact. They go to school and they work as hard as they can so they can go out on the athletic field. And, and you just, you just, it's just part of, of high school life. You know, now these seniors are walking around, on, you know, Thursday's supposed to be, you know, your walkthrough day and then Friday you, you wear your jersey to school and, Cheerleaders have their cheerleading uniforms on. Everybody's fired up for the game that night. And 
you know, you, you won't see it. Maybe you'll see it in the spring. Maybe it'll have the same type of flair. I just don't think it, it will because the fall is so, so very special. I did find some Oktoberfest today at Sam's Club. So the COVID did not get the Oktoberfest, and that's a good thing. Indeed. Hey, speak, speaking of guys living their life, you know, for football, if you're, you know, a student athlete, uh, Jay Sunhalter, uh, former East Carolina tight end, and he does some work for ESPN now. Uh, he flat out said if, if this would have happened when he was a student athlete and they said no football, he'd have lost his eligibility because he wouldn't have went to class. Right, right. I mean, so many things like that. And that's what uh, I think was uh, one of the coaches last week said. Now, you know, we've really got to concentrate on you know keeping them eligible because if they're not eligible after the first semester, they can't play in that second semester. So I think that's going to be another thing that is another headache for the high school coaches. And I just don't understand how South Carolina – you know, can play. I think they're playing normal, right? They're still going into fall. In Georgia, in Georgia, I, still, Brian. I know some school. I, I think it has largely to do with uh, R's and D's. Yeah, I, I agree, and and it's a shame, but that's that's what what it's come down to, and you know, let's see what happens. Bubba, you wanted to ask Brian a question about his cubbies. Uh, just, I was going to make the point and just they're off to an excellent start, 14 and seven, a little over a third of the way through the shortened season. So just getting your thoughts there. I, I know I saw some uh, things, um, social media and otherwise, as far as the rooftop tickets going for about 350 or something. I, I haven't seen how much they're, they're, they're going for, but I know that I've seen some of the videos of those guys up there. And I think Mark Grace was talking. I watched most of the Cub games on the MLB ticket thing. And uh, uh, he was talking about the that he, he did he, he went to a, a game up there and he said you can't see anything but you have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like hey Brian, that sounds like the jungle, and that's something Brian, you and Kyle have in common. Y'all are both Cubs fans, so good. Yeah, I, I I love watching the Cubs. I fell in love with them when I was in college. I was uh, at Old Dominion commuting back and forth, so I lived at home. I would come home in the afternoon, do my homework, and watch Harry Carey and the Cubs and WGN, yeah. Remember Jody? May he sing about Jody Davis? Jody, Jody Davis. Man, it was, it was, <laughs> Harry was the best, man. I met him in Philadelphia. I oh, met him man. in Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I, uh, the story goes like this. I went up to him, and, and he was standing there, and I introduced myself, and I said, I'm a sportscaster in Greenville, North Carolina. And he said, Greenville, North Carolina? He said, my son, my grandson, Chip, he's a sportscaster in Greenville. And I said, no, he's a sportscaster in Greensboro. And he goes, Greensboro, what'd you say? I said, I said Greenville. He's a like, Greenville, Greensboro. What the hell's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> you got a point. <laughs> my check probably a zero because Greensboro's a little bigger than Greenville. But yeah, that was that was fun meeting him, and I got a picture taken with him, and then I sent the picture to WGN, and he signed it for me, and sent it back. That was really cool. Yeah, I grew right. up uh, late eighties, early nineties, watching. Uh, you know, I hated the Braves. Everybody, you know, TBS. And the reason I hated the Braves, well, they've come on WTBS and everybody else was a Braves fan, is because lots of times they would interrupt W or Saturday Night Wrestling, NWA at the time, then it became WCW. <laughs> and it would piss me off. Cool. So, uh, you know, I, I hated the Braves. And, uh, you know, summer afternoons, nothing else to do. You turn on WGN during the day because they played all their games during the day at that time yeah. and watch Cub baseball. And, uh, Ryan Sandberg and Mark Grace and, and hear Harry Carey call the games. And, and, and it was just, even though they didn't win as much as the uh, Braves did early 90s, it, I fell in love with them. I love Ryan Sandberg. I met him at uh, the All-Star game in 93 in Baltimore. And I told him at the time that uh, 
that we had named my son after him, yeah. Ryan, R-Y-N-E. Coach Gary Overton is the one that had that idea. We were at a banquet, and my wife at the time, we were talking about names, and we were going to go with Kyle, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> and, and, and Coach O said, said, said Brian, what, what about a name like Ryan? You could call him Rhino, and what a great name. And I, I, I said, there's no way that's going to work. And my wife at the time said, I think that's a good idea. So we ran with it, and so he's, he's named after Ryan Sandberg. You know, uh, Bubba Rosenbaum there, our co-host, named his son after Lincoln Riley. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Kyle, my son's name is Riley, but uh, I get that question all the time. Um, it was just the name we liked. So my last name's Rosenbaum. It, it was not after Coach Riley, even though I certainly, uh, certainly a big fan <laughs> of Lincoln. And that's what he told his wife, Stacy, and he's still going with the story, Brian. Yeah, that's no, a great story. Call Lincoln and tell him maybe he'll send you some Oklahoma gear. Oh my God! I think one day there. Good stuff. He's uh, he's done all right, don't you think, Brian? After Greenville, yeah. You think about his, you know, just just rise to the top. It was so fast. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, he's making what two hundred thousand dollars a year as as the offensive coordinator of East Carolina, and he bumps up, bumps up, bumps up. Then he goes Oklahoma. He's making, I guess, as offensive coordinator. I think I think as offensive coordinator he started there was right about a million, wasn't it? Right yeah. about a yeah. Then he went from that to when they hired him as the head coach went to three, and then with the yeah. recent success he's had, he's gone up to six million dollars. I mean that's an incredible, incredible number, uh for sure. It's crazy. We'll have to Yeah, we'll have to see how everything plays out. And uh Brian uh, before we let you go, I'm praying that we can next time we have you on, we can talk more about college football and uh, definitely the NFL. And uh, certainly uh, right now it's it's looking good, but I hate to, I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it either. And I think, as I said, every day that we get closer, you know, I think that's a that's another you know inch, and we got to just inch our way forward. But I think if we get to the first of September, you got to think that that it's on. You, you got to hope. Unless something you know, just crazy happens, but I think the ACC and the SEC, you know, pretty adamant they're going to. I think the SEC will play come hell or high water. They're going to play football in the SEC. Hey, I think if the ACC plays, we have to play. And I actually did, uh, uh, Dave. I had one more question for Brian. Um, okay. It was a follow up to the uh, Lincoln Riley talk at Oklahoma. Um, got us on Lincoln staff, Shane Beamer. Um, I remember, if I remember correctly, I was listening to your show. And uh, I, I want to say you said Shane reached out to us and you had a conversation with him and me, us meaning East Carolina uh, when we unfortunately fired Ruffin and before we hired Scotty and Comfort basically didn't return his phone call. Uh, he's now at Oklahoma. He, he, he's got a great coaching pedigree. Uh, why do you think the – I mean, I guess you're trying to get into the operation of Jeff Comfort's mind, so good luck. But why do you think there was no interest in talking to Shane? I don't know, and I know that I reached out to Shane. Uh, I was on my um, anniversary trip. We were in uh, Boone or one of those out west, out in the western part of the state. We were out there, and it was a weekend, and we got there on Friday night, and he had called me back about 5 o'clock. So I'm on this, you know, this, this anniversary weekend. I'm, I'm still answering the phone, but he was so nice and talked to me, and he, and he asked me, you know, if he had a shot, and I said, well, you know, we, we've been throwing your name out there because I think it's a great name to throw out there, but I don't think he ever got considered. And, you know, you just don't know when those those searches go, you just can't really tell, you know, what's going on. Because a lot of times the ADs have hired, you know, either hired people 
or they know people that they trust and they're talking to those people more than they're talking to an individual coach and you know how scotty montgomery got the job you know is a mystery really because he he was he was a late bloomer coming into the thing and and he never really bloomed when he got I here tony Collins answer that question ask tony he'll tell you yeah <laughs> Well, Brian, man, thanks so much for the, the visit. And, uh, again, we appreciate you. And uh, maybe uh, I'll tell you one thing. I'll say this before we go. Uh, the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 better hope that something does happen because they're going to look like a bunch of fools. Well, I know. I agree with that 100%. 100%. If, if, they, if the ACC and the SEC and the American everybody plays, and those, those parents are already fired up, and it's going to be a war for those because – you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if in, a, in a week maybe they revamp because I think they're getting so much pressure. But you know, that would be a real positive sign. But I don't think we're going to be get awesome. That. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. enjoy the rest of whatever. Right. Uh, what do you got left of your summer? And uh, we'll we'll talk to you again in, in, in maybe a few weeks. Sounds good. You guys give me a call. All right, definitely will. Appreciate you, Brian. Friday. That will be Brian Bailey here, WNCT Sports Director. And uh, we're going to bring in now from NC Preps, uh, one of our favorites, too, especially when it comes to high school football in North Carolina. I know you you can probably see us around the world. This guy is eats, sleeps, drinks, North Carolina football, and I'm sure he knows more than uh, high school football and probably the, a lot in the nation, too. And uh, let's bring in with us now uh, from NC Preps, Chris Hughes. Chris, how are you, man? Let's see if we can get him. I guess he stepped away. We'll oh, get him on. Great, Dave. Don't bother oh, okay. man. <laughs> All right, he'll he'll come back in just a second, but uh, certainly, guys, we were talking about the uh, seven games starting in February with uh, North Carolina high school football. And interesting thing, there he is. Hey, Chris, how are you? Sorry about that, guys. That's uh, so I like your hats. Hey, cool hat. sir. Uh, de- we definitely let you on the show with that hat on. Uh, wanted to have you on because obviously uh, we've been wondering about high school football and. Uh, yours truly, I, when I get a chance, I, uh, I'm on the radio doing high school football. So, uh, with the, I'm wondering about recruiting and obviously you follow it very, very close coaching yourself. Um, how has this been? I just want to ask you this out of the gate. How crazy of a year for a guy that, that loves high school football as much as you do? How crazy has it been? Oh man, it's been crazy. It's been driving me insane. And to be honest, making me look at maybe some other lines of work just to have something productive to do because, you know, when you live and breathe and, and work in the high school and the sporting industry in general for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, th- this is like pulling teeth. It's nothing to do, and I feel so unproductive. And, you know, it's not like there's things out there I could be doing. Maybe I could make up some busy work, but, no, nah, this is crazy. And, you know, Friday night should be our opening game of the season, and here we are talking about February. Yeah, how weird does it feel for you personally, knowing, like you said, Friday night we should be getting ready to start the high school football season. You're getting ready to look for, you know, forward to the season ahead, and now you got to wait till February. I mean, it, it, it's just got to it, – it, it feels like – I would imagine you feel like you're in another world. Well, it really is, and, and the tough part about it is, is this was gearing up to be one of the best seasons, I think, in recent memory uh, with – so many incredible teams, uh, some big-time recruits. I mean, you know, I talked to Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina yesterday because I've, I've got him on a show I'm doing tomorrow. And, you know, he said the talent in this state this year and next year is better than anything he's ever seen in his wow. time in North Carolina and on par with Texas. And, you know, wow. we had wow. some big-time games. And 
you know, Myers Park playing out-of-state games, Weddington and Vance, uh, Dutch Fort coming up uh, to play Vance. And now those, those games are going to be gone because in the shortened, condensed season in February, you're just most likely going to see all conference games with maybe one or two non-conference. I'm not sure the details yet because Q Tucker hadn't announced them yet. Do you Chris, you think you're have Sorry, Dave. Do you think you're going to have seniors that have already committed to, to you know, and sign? Because, you know, I'm guessing if we go through with normal signing day, opt out on playing their senior year? Well, Drake May at Myers Park has kind of hinted that he will play. You know, he is uh, committed to play at the University of North Carolina. So, you know, he's one of the big guys that has said that he wants to play for his team and leave a legacy. And I think he has a chance to be the best quarterback we've seen in North Carolina, maybe if not all time, at least in that top two or three. So if he plays, that will be a refreshing sign just to see someone commit to their high school team. Uh, but we've already heard that Power Eccles advance, that um, so many other guys have declared that they're just going to go and play their college, uh, commit early, enroll in December, and and go play college ball. And, and to be honest, I don't mind that. You know, as a high school fan, I want to see them laced up and play it on the on the gridiron here in North Carolina. But their ultimate goal is to get there to the collegiate ranks, and if they've got that chance – Who's to say they don't get an injury and lose it all? So I, I I fully think that going is the best thing for them. And, Chris, that's one of the questions to follow up that with what Kyle's talking about. That very thing is uh, two questions. One is I would ask, uh, do you see a whole bunch of guys doing that where uh, they, they forego their senior season? Uh, because the one thing that I'm worried about, my second part, I'm worried about the same thing for college. If we had to go to a spring schedule for college, I'm worried about, and you know because you coach and played and all that, I'm worried how many games can can the body take uh, for high school or college or anything for that matter in a calendar year. Well, um, the first question is, is I do not think that a ton of players are going to go and forego their senior season and, and just enroll early into college. But I do think that a large majority of those top two or three, uh, four, three, four or five star kind of kids that we've got um, that are that have committed to North Carolina and Clemson. I think some of those guys will commit early. But I think far and wide, most of your senior athletes are going to play because, well, let's be honest. Yes, we talk about those big two or three um percenters that are going to go to that next level but most of your guys playing high school ball but the furthest they're going to go is high school and you know a smaller amount's going to go d2 and d3 programs and, and there's nothing wrong with that so i think that you'll still see a lot of seniors playing but i also think that some coaches and i've had these conversations are going to treat this spring season almost like a spring neck like a regular spring college uh, practice where you get those young guys up there and you give them a chance to play and really prepare for that 21 season. And the second part of your question kind of goes with that. I don't think playing in late February, March, early April is going to be too much of an issue because you're going to have a four-month gap for these guys to heal up and, and get ready. Now, as long as – now, here's the caveat to that. I don't want to see these coaches in next summer just pounding these guys to death with seven-on-sevens and working and stuff like that. I do think that you've got to have a certain amount of time to let these guys heal. But I don't think with a four-month window, I don't think that's too much. As far as uh, Bubba, do you have a question for Chris? 
I was just going to kind of piggyback off of uh, what you guys were already discussing as far as I saw today that Coach Saban, in his opinion, I thought it would the spring would be kind of like JV football in, in his estimation. I could see that. And again, I think it kind of goes back to what I just said and what a lot of football coaches have told me that they're going to use this spring season as a opportunity to probably play some sophomore and maybe even some freshmen up on a Friday night level that otherwise would have spent an entire season on JV because let's be real, you know, with some of those seniors moving on and, and I have a feeling I'm, I'm not for sure, but this is a hunch because I've coached kids for a long time. There's going to be some guys, probably some of those guys that are on the roster, but aren't necessarily players. They're, they're going to check out and say, Hey, I don't want to practice in January or February. And to be honest, I don't blame them. Uh, so you're going to have some seniors, I think, that don't play. And you're going to really find out who wants to be there because in some of our counties, let's look up in Allegheny, Ash, Watauga yeah, yeah. County, some of those mountain counties, it's going to be brutal weather. And you're going to find out in a hurry who wants to be there and who doesn't. Chris, one of the questions I had for you, because you're a recruiting expert and well, any chance I have to pick your brain, obviously, uh, let's start with East Carolina. Uh, can you talk about, since you have that great hat on, that purple and gold hat, uh, what's, uh, since you have that purple hat on, uh, talk, can you talk about some of the commits from North Carolina that, uh, I guess so far we don't have anybody. Well, I have any. <laughs> yeah. Right, I, yeah, I, I, I think about it, but I, I'm not as versed on some of the ECU guys as I probably should, but I am a huge fan of Mike Houston and that program and have been for many years. Um, some of the guys that I went to high school and, and played with back in the day were, Tremendous players at ECU. Uh, Jeff Carr, I don't know how many of you guys remember him back in the mid-90s. He's one of my dear friends. So, you know, I always pull for the Pirates. And I don't don't really know what to expect, who's going to fill some of those roles. Uh, But I will say this, you know, broadcasting the Shrine Bowl last year uh, and the quarterback coming up from um, Carolina Forest, the Garcia. um, Mason Mason Garcia one of the best quarterbacks I've seen coming up from a high school level. I think he's ready to play. Uh, now, I don't I don't think he's going to play day one um, because he got a pretty good one there right now. But I thought that Coach Houston getting him was a steal. When I saw him operate there in the practice fields and saw some of the other colleges looking at him, and I'm thinking, man, they, they think they really lost some of these bigger colleges, the South Carolinas, to – the NC States, I think they really lost a big-time player. And for Mike Houston to swoop him up, I think two or three years down the road, that's going to play huge, huge dividends for him. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I looked at some film and, you know, I had a chance to talk to Coach Houston back in the um, the winter at the Eastern Coaches Association. And, and he kind of lamented that last year, as is, is positive as it was, there was a lot of points left on the board and some wins that really could have happened. You know, I, I think back to that NC State game, game one of the season, that could have set the trajectory of the season so much better. And and now another year into his program and everything in place, I, I just think that the, the ceiling's the limit, and I think that they're going to do really well. Yeah, if you, you look at our, our verbal list right now, um, not one kid from North Carolina gives them. South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Virginia, all over the place except North Carolina. Um, it, 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 I mean, is it just a matter of making inroads with the staff? Or, I mean, why do you think right now no verbals from in-state kids? I think a little bit has to do with the fact 
that now a year and a half in with Mac Brown up at Carolina, and I know they go out after some of the different kids. I don't think that they're necessarily going after the same players, but I think you can see the effect to where the staff at UNC has almost sucked the air out of the state and they have dominated the recruiting in the state. And I think that it's really caused Coach um, uh, Doran over at NC State and Coach Clawson at Wake to really up their game. So I think that there's a lot of guys still in the mix uh, that, that, that are looking at some different schools. Now, with that being said, I, I think that this whole COVID pandemic has thrown a curveball into all the recruiting because you couldn't have a lot of the home visits. You couldn't have the campus visits. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure that that's got a, a lot to do, uh, with the recruiting status. But I think before it's said and done, I, I think they're going to be fine. I know the coach has a great, um, a group of players in areas that he's recruited from in Virginia and even down into South Carolina and Florida that he's done well with. So I think that ultimately it's going to be fun uh, because again, I think Mike Houston is one of these guys that's going to be a big timer sooner than later. And I'm not worried right now if I'm a fan of the pirates. And Chris, I want to ask you as far as that very thing, uh, when you look at the, when you talk about the recruiting trail, uh, you only have, uh, you only have, I think this class is going to, Bubba said, and Kyle, 15, and we have 10 out of 15, I believe. The, uh, so we only have like five more to begin with. One of the things that Coach uh, said, I know, is the very fact they're talking. I want to get your thoughts if you've heard anything. They're talking about doing away this year with the early signing period and just going back to the which I wish they would do anyway. I love the – I know Kyle and I love that is that you have something to look forward to as a college football fan. And I think it took away from the excitement. Yes, you get the early commits, but I, I hope that they do that and just have this year uh, the normal signing day in February. You know, I understand the early signing period, and, and I don't necessarily dislike it. But, excuse me, being an old school guy like I am, um, old being the keyword, uh, I do like that national signing day always in February because it did give you that anticipation and, you know, the, the shows on – you know, ESPN or whatever network it is when you've got nothing but recruiting and, and signing days all day long. I, I think that's an anticipated day. And and I, I think that with it being on that one day, you, you could see a coach, you know, like Mike Houston or back in the days, you know, you'd have um, a coach go and, and still a recruit from another school on that last day. But when you've kind of got it in a period uh, I, I think that it's less likely for that to happen. Uh, so, you know, I, I would like to see it go to maybe, especially for this year, given the circumstances, have that national signing day back in February like it had been. As far as the, as far as uh, that very thing goes with, with the, you were talking about the different schools in the state. What about the likes of Charlotte, Appalachian State? Uh, I know we're unique. Uh, our population's growing. We have 71s or some. You know, the Alabamas of the world, there's some school, uh, some states that don't have that many D1 schools. We have seven. Uh, what about some of the other schools? Are you seeing that they're doing a good job? Or, uh, I know we didn't mention another triangle school in Duke or the Blue Devils, uh, with the coach Cutcliffe that I like a lot. Uh, what about these other schools? I certainly think that Charlotte and Appalachian has probably affected some of the Pirates recruiting because I think that they're, they've really upped their game. I think Charlotte's a program on the rise, and I give Charlotte 10 or 15 years, and I think they're very much the level of a typical ACC school. 
Um, I don't know that I'd say they're top 25 type of program year in and year out, but I think that given the pipeline and the talent and the resources and just the size of that school, and I know the act, the, the financial backings, I think they can get there. Appalachian, obviously, you know, you look at the success that they've had. Um, I think that they have done a great job, and you see some of the commits that they've gotten. And Appalachian, you know, moving up to the the FBS ranks, and I think they're undefeated in bowls, and, and they're competing, and they're playing really good competition, and and, and holding their own. So I think that they're only going to get better. Uh, and 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 I do think that even though they're on the far west side, and 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 you got Greenville here on the other end of the state, I, I think that that will have an effect in recruiting. Um, and, you know, you look up in the triangle, you got Duke. And, you know, I love Coach Dave Cutcliffe to death. But, you know, for the most part, them and, and to a great extent, Wake Forest, you know, they don't typically recruit our state as well as I wish they would. Uh, you look at their roster so so often and you've got guys either from the extreme northeast, you know, the Delawares, the Marylands, the the New Jersey's, the New York's, or you got them down in Florida, but you just don't have enough homegrown talent in there. And I understand it's a different academic requirement for both of those schools, uh, private institutions and so on. So I, I get that because they both seem to be a little bit more Northeastern schools than, than ACC schools. Uh, so, you know, I don't see them really tearing up the recruiting here in state as much as I'd like to see them. Uh, but, you know, they're still going to get a few guys here and there. But state, I, and, you know, I mentioned NC State and Coach Dave Dorn. I really think that he's done a great job. But one thing that that I'll say this about NC State comparative to North Carolina specifically is that, you know, they don't get the big recruits all the time. I think North Carolina kills them in, in the, the talent that they – the acquisition of four, five-star, three-star guys – but uh, Coach Dorn and that staff have been great developers of talent. And, you know, they, they pick a lot of these guys that maybe were, were kind of those tweeners of a, a one, two, three-star kind of guy. And before you know it, they're, they're, they're legit uh, pro, pro prospects. I mean, heck, all you got to do, I mean, you've got several big-time quarterbacks and, and some DNs from NC State playing in the league right now. So I think they do a really good job of developing their talent. Bubba, did you have a question? I know Bubbles may multitask. I wanted to ask, uh, as far as uh, East Carolina, you were talking about Mac Brown early in the interview with uh, talking about the best talent he's seen um, ever since he's been in North Carolina previously. Now, uh, next year, with next year's class, uh, do you see guys coming to Greenville, um, top guys or uh, more guys? I'm hoping that we only have five left, like I, I believe. Uh, we don't really have maybe a guy or two. Maybe they'll commit from North Carolina. But what about next year's class? Well, I know the 21 class right now on paper, at least for North Carolina, is one of the best. Um, and, and, and I think they're trying to elevate themselves to a different kind of recruit. So I don't think it's going to necessarily affect East Carolina's recruiting. Um, but I, I do think that ECU, again, I think that they are on the uptick. And, and I just think that they are continuously getting better. Uh, I mean, it might be gradually, uh, but I see – a continuous process for them getting better recruits. Um, I know it right now it don't look like it with the, the North Carolina commits, but I, I'm not concerned again uh, at that at this moment, even for someone who I try to be unbiased and not a fan of anybody. But, you know, uh, I do pull for the Pirates. Um, 
but you know, with this, and, and this is one thing that you mentioned, Mac Brown, that he told me yesterday is the population has exploded in this state. And, you know, I think Charlotte yesterday, some new figures came out population wise and they surpassed San Francisco for the 15th largest city in the wow. country. And you, you see the Raleigh Durham area right there knocking on the door as well. And you see all these studies, you know, greatest cities to live in. And you see Raleigh a lot of times and, and even, um, some of the other smaller towns. So I think the population is only getting bigger. High school football is continuing to get better. You've got so many better coaches in high school now compared to how it is. So I think that you're only going to get more and more recruits. Now, the one thing, and, and Mac even mentioned this, and this has been my big sticking point that I'm always um, blasting any college coach I can. I, mean, I hate to blast them, but, uh, you know, there's that whole – um, little saying that college coaches, with the exception of VCU, they don't like to cross the east of I-95. And there's so many guys out there uh, that have been left holding the bag with no recruit, uh, with no scholarship recruits-wise. And, and Mac Brown mentioned it to me yesterday. He said, you know, in, in a lot of instances, there's more speed and more talent in eastern North Carolina, but you got to find them. Tell Mac to stay away. We don't. We don't. We don't want him in the <laughs> But you look. You look at Wallace Rose Hill and Clinton and and Southwest Onslow. There's plenty of talent, and and, and even right here in Greenville, uh, there there's some guys coming out of Rose next year that are, that are going to step it up. I think Rose is going to be a top 10, 15 program in three A this year. Uh, so you know, I, I think it's going to start shaking things up recruiting wise. Yeah, Chris, I I agree with you as far as uh, the recruiting scene in North Carolina right now. Uh, Obviously, East Carolina's been down for years since Coach Ruff was let go and um, have won, what, 13 games in four seasons. And But I, I do think we're on the way up under Coach Houston. But he and our staff have to obviously get players from whatever, wherever they can get them right now. And I think as more success is had, that we'll get our share from North Carolina. Uh, but right now, I, I totally agree with you as far as it kind of being the perfect storm with the lack of East Carolina success. And Matt Grant, Matt Brown, excuse me, and his staff being very good recruiters. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I was a huge, huge Ruffin McNeil fan, and you know, I was just uh, texting with Harold Robinson, uh, the great Harold Robinson, uh, out of Eastern North Carolina, just a few moments ago, and you know, he's dying for some some uh, work to do. He'd rather be coaching or doing something as, as I would, and. You know, he and I have often mentioned, you know, that that program that that Ruffin had had built, and heck, I was trying to position myself to work with him. I was down here trying to help Harold any chance I could, uh, and for them to pull the rug out from under him, it just set that program back a decade. And, and you know, for somebody that, that that likes to purple and gold, that's certainly a, it was a tough pill to swallow. Good old Jeffrey Comper, <laughs> and that's you know that that very fact, uh, Chris, with the. One of the things, not to get too inside baseball, but the very fact that uh, we're cutting sports financially, we've got towers that we, we've got to worry about paying for and a whole bunch of debt and uh, it's on and on and on. But uh, certainly with, uh, I think one thing that will help is when we can get fans, whenever that is, fans back in the stands at Dowdy Ficklin and the fact that you were, what you were talking about is right. I think Mike Houston is going to win sooner than later. Uh, I think that those guys, I mean, we're hearing, at the practice reports and all the things we're doing right now, Chris, we're hearing a lot of good things. I'll tell you to watch out for is I'm a defensive guy. Watch out for Blake Harrell and uh, the defense of East Carolina. It's going to be a lot better than what people expect. 
agree. I coached a high school game against Blake Carroll's teams uh, back in the early 2000s. He used to be a high school coach in Western North Carolina. Oh. Uh, and, and I was scheduled to call on ESPN one of his games when he was at Kennesaw State uh, this past year. But I agree, he is uh, a heck of a coach. And, and I think that defense is really, uh, really going to show um, show some changes. So I, I'm excited to see that. We look at the offensive side of the ball we've talked about here. The offensive side of the ball is going to be fabulous, uh, scoring a lot of points uh, on the, a lot of points on that scoreboard. If the defense can be just a little bit better this year, they, they can they can be bowl eligible. Yeah, no, I, I totally think uh, that the Pirates are going to be right on that fringe. You know, I I don't follow college football enough to to say hey they're going to make a bowl. But I, I, I know football and I know what I see. And then the two or three times I've gotten down there to see games and practices, you can just see the culture of the program changing. And it might not be the, the recruits and the recruits to catch up with the culture, but just the, the vibe of the program and, and the, the tangible differences that you can see and how they're interacting. I, I can gauge, I can gauge that trajectory just as well as I could looking at a metric of talent. And, and, and that's why I think they're going to be just fine. And they're, and they're tackling at practice now, so that makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> no substitute for hitting. Yeah. Chris, shifting gears, I'm back to the high school scene. One of the things that you're notorious for doing that is awesome um, around the state of North Carolina, you travel and you take pictures, video of the awesome facilities that a lot of our programs have around the state. So just talk about that and um, the way people can view that or those videos and uh, pictures, et cetera? Well, you know, ironically, the the first stadium um, that that I had ever photoed that, that, that started the stadium project was D.H. Conley uh, right here in Greenville. And, and then I followed that up with South Central and Rose because it was the summer of 2006 and we was passing through town heading down to Newburn for um, – a uh, little weekend vacation. And, and, you know, I just happened to see that sign for the high school. And I was like, you know what, for somebody who coached all these years and just loved high school football, I was like, man, I'm going to go just see the stadium just for whatever reason. I just want to go see what it looked like. And I happen to have a little digital camera that's about yay big in, in the car. And I'm like, well, what the heck? I took a couple pictures of it. I think back in those days, I might've had a MySpace page or something like that, that I posted them on. Um, and for whatever reason, I got down to Newburn and I was like, you know what? I went over and saw the, the stadium over at Newburn High School. And uh, I think I might have ended up at Kinston that day as well on the way home. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it grew. Uh, but it's something that's become a labor of love. I mean, uh, it's an incredible um, opportunity to see all the stadiums across the state. Uh, go in and see the facilities. But it's also been an eye opener. You know, it's really lets you see the fact that there are some true haves and some exceptional have-nots and who has facilities and money and support, administrative support, booster support, uh, and who doesn't. Um, you know, the farther west you go, and, you know, I say a lot of it's got to do with geography and just the topography of the land that allows some stadiums to be built in some natural valleys and bowls. you got some incredible facilities up there. Uh, and then, you know, you've got some – and, and sadly, you know, I look at some of the ones up in like Halifax County and the northeastern part of the state where the the school systems and the, the municipalities have failed the schools and just doesn't give them the money and the ability to have the nicer stuff. And, and you know, I hate it for those kids, but it's been great to see all these stadiums. I love it. It's probably been one of the coolest things I've done. 
I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but what are some of the, the nicer ones you've seen in general and then maybe recently um, when you were out and about this spring or summer? Well, you know, I think the nicest, well, probably the best in the state of North Carolina is at Asheville, uh, Asheville Memorial Stadium. Uh, sits in a, in a natural bowl. You've got the beautiful high school that's over 100 years old overlooking the visitor side. Uh, just seating itself, the stadium to seat about 12,000, 15,000 people. You've got views in the mountains, so it's hard to ever uh, vote against Asheville High School. Uh, just down the road, you got Cherokee, and you know that's a little bit of a different. It's not necessarily apples to apples because Cherokee is a federal school, and they built that school with casino and tribal money, uh, and that that monstrosity of stadium and athletic facility there is second to none, really, in the entire country. It, it's beautiful and just so state of the art. It, it's incredible. Uh, you know, one in my neck of the woods where I grew up in Kannapolis, so Kannapolis Memorial Stadium, I like, I kind of, I heard you guys talking about Wrigley Field earlier. I kind of equated to Wrigley Field in, in Chicago because you've got a row of houses along the backside of the stadium, and they always pack those houses and build platforms to watch the game. So I think that's really cool. Um, and, you know, this this summer, you know, I saw some really cool ones that, uh, that I've always enjoyed Um Trying, trying to think, of, you know, some of the ones in the western part of the state. But, you know, even down here in eastern North Carolina, I, I, I love Legion Stadium there in Wallace, at Wallace Rose Hill. I think it's now um, Jack Colley Field. Um, but, you know, it, you don't have to have huge and, and elaborate and 10,000 seats to be a great stadium. Uh, stadiums like that at Wallace, you know, the, the crowd's right packed on top of you. And I almost call, I always call that the Fenway Park in North Carolina stadiums because it's so old. It's got so much tradition. You got the old stone walls that used to be a baseball field kind of around the edge of the park. And, and, and I just think it's great when you've got fans on all corners of the, the, the football field, just inches away from the sidelines. You're definitely right about Kannapolis I and mean, the, the green Christmas lights and, uh, don't sometimes they shoot off fireworks over there, um, when they score. Uh, it's neat atmosphere. Chris, one yeah. question. I had. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you about, um, I know that Bubba's more of the western part of the state, but the eastern part of the state. Uh, one question I had, do you think uh, with powerhouses like, for example, Tarboro, uh, do you think that that will affect them any as far as the, uh, I hate to say layoff or I guess the delay in the season, will it make any difference? I don't think so with Tarball. You know, Jeff Craddock, I think, is one of the top two or three best coaches in this state. And yeah. and he's got two coaches on that staff. Uh, you know, Andy Harding Harding comes to mind that, that could have been a head coach 10 years ago. He's got an incredibly deep staff. Uh, the continuity there, they've been there forever. Uh, they, they've known those young kids since they were grade school age uh, because that's just what they do is, is teach those young guys, and they've got a system – and, and Tarboro, even for a 1A school, I know typically they have upwards of 80 and 90 guys in the program. There's 4A schools that don't have that many kids in the program. So I think Tarboro is going to be fine. Uh, I've seen the online Zoom classes and things that they've done uh, just to keep their, their guys engaged. And I think Tarboro will be fine. You know, I do think that there's going to be some drop-off with some programs, and, and there might be some others that, that do well. Uh, you know, you had – probably a couple hundred schools that had the opportunity to have some summer workouts this year, whereas other school systems didn't. And the overwhelming majority of coaches I talked to asking how those summer sessions went told me that the players were so out of shape. It wasn't funny. And I do think that some of the schools that had an opportunity to do anything 
uh, and, and just have the guys active will have a little, a little bit of an advantage. Uh, but, you know, here, here's the other side of it, coming following basketball, which is so crazy to think of with high school football. You're going to have a lot of guys that are already going to kind of have their legs under them that's going to have a season of basketball uh, on them that will help them a, li- a little bit in conditioning. Uh, but I think that, you know, basketball strength and conditioning and football is a completely different animal. One other question I had uh, as far as 1A schools and obviously uh, my alma mater, which is now uh, Riverside High School, has been for some time. Uh, what about the one concern I have in being your high school expert? What about uh, my friend Phil Willard's AD? I bet he's scratching his head and pulling his hair out because they're trying so hard to keep those programs going. We have a rich tradition of a whole bunch of fielding, a whole bunch of sports. You could potentially have a guy playing two or three sports, I would think, uh, during that particular time of coming off of, you know, basketball. You normally play baseball, but yet, oh, oh by the way, there's uh, football too. Yeah, and, and I do think you're going to have guys playing all the sports. And uh, I had Q Tucker on last night with us on our show, Talking Preps in Charlotte, and she mentioned that, you know, there is not going to be um, uh, any rule that says you can't play more than one sport even in the same season because I know there's been some question among coaches like lacrosse and football bleeding over one another and there's going to be some players that play both and and you said last night why can't they play both i mean you know it might cause you as an athletic director to do some scheduling to allow a game at different times to make sure that it accommodates some of your athletes like that uh but i i, I think you know here's the thing you know I, I think these guys and i remember when i was that age yeah there might be a level of burnout but if you're doing different sports at different times completely different athletic movement and a body movement, I think they'll be fine because they're, they're going to compensate and, and they're in so much better shape than me. If it was me, I don't think I could play more than two games a week right now. We're talking church softball or something like that because I'm getting old. But these guys right here, they'll be able to handle it. Chris, earlier you kind of alluded to it when you were talking about the way the schedule would look different in the spring, playing only seven games and some of those um, premium non-conference and even out-of-state matchups uh, going by the wayside. Uh, just talk about, uh, obviously, there's too many teams to touch on, but just generally speaking, who are some of the, the top teams to keep an eye on this spring, uh, assuming they don't yeah, lose you know, too much um, talent? You know, we, we, we put out a, um, a preseason top 15, I think it was, uh, with NC Preps, and it was in our preseason book a few months ago. Uh, but I think that you can just go ahead and erase those rankings. I think they're meaningless right now because of some of the players that are going to move on. Uh, I still think that in, in the 4A ranks, and we'll start there, I think the overwhelmingly most talented team, that they're by far the best team. And um, without Power Eccles, you know, and, and Huff High School's lost a couple guys, and, you know, depending upon uh, whether – um, depending on what uh, Myers Park's talent looks like, I think Richmond County might be the real winner in this. I think they could possibly win this 4A championship rolling away. Uh, tremendous amount of talent. You know, they got about 140, 150 guys in the program. Coach Brian Till's done a great job. Uh, you know, staying in the 4A ranks, obviously you've got the big three or four headed monsters in Charlotte with these talented teams like Vance, who's the champions and, 
Myers Park and Huff. And, and oh, by the way, let's not forget about Mallory Creek. And although, you know, they've got a coaching change, they're bringing down Kennedy Tinsley from Southeast Guilford. I think they're going to be fine. In fact, they could even be better. You never know. But there's always an unknown when you're dealing with a new head football coach. Uh, so those, those guys are going to be good in the 4A ranks. Um, I do think that, you know, East Forsyth, who, who's won back-to-back 4A championships in the small 4A, uh, they, they, they stand to lose four or five, maybe six guys that could, uh, potentially enroll early. And, and I think that would affect East, um, East Forsyth and the three and the, the small 4A ranks. Um, but I, they, they still may have enough talent to win it all. But Greensboro Grimsley is going to kind of be right there knocking on their door. Uh, nobody really in the Eastern part of the state in the small 4A Scares me. Scotland, a big Scotland. They'll be good. In Raleigh, you got a couple, two or three teams that are going to be really good. I think you're going to start to see a little bit of the passing of the baton of Wake Forest, uh, possibly to Rollsville. I know Rollsville's got a lot of superb talent coming up. Uh, but I think Wake Forest, you know, Reggie Lucas is one of the best coaches in the state. So they're going to kind of hold on to that. But I think that's going to be some great battles. Um, you know, going down the ranks in 3A, you know, you got, I mentioned earlier you got Rose uh, right here in Greenville that I think is going to be really good. Um, Weddington, you know, even uh, losing Will Shipley and, and some players at Weddington if Shipley decides to enroll early at, at Clemson, I think they're good enough uh, to compete for a championship. But I'd say the one team, and, and, and I'll write this down, uh, I thought – Kings Mountain was the most talented team in 3A. Uh, but Charlotte Catholic, they could go after four in a row because they get a linebacker back from an ACL injury. They're in that same conference with Weddington. And if Weddington loses Will Shipley, I think Catholic's right there to maybe cash in on that. So that, that's a team in 3A. And, you know, we saw them beat uh, Southern Nash this past year. Uh, they lost a ton of graduation. They're going to be exceptionally good. They always are under Brian Foster. Uh, but I don't think they're quite on that level uh, that they were last year. As far as uh, Chris, we have uh, a guy I was going to mention very quickly, Dave, as far as Greenville Rose is concerned, uh, a dual sport athlete and a guy who's a tremendous baseball player as well, uh, Michael Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and Rose and I, I, I caught their game against Northeastern last year. I think it might have been about week five or six. Rose. On the hoof, you know, getting off the activity bus, they look like one of the most athletic teams I've seen. And I love Dave Wotecki a lot. I thought he did some great things, uh, for Rose, but I think that, you know, insert Caleb, um, uh, blanking on my name. Um, sorry about that coach <laughs> coming up from Havelock. Um, and, um, you know, you look at that staff with some of those guys coming on board. Uh, with them at um, Caleb, uh, Caleb King, by the way. I'm sorry. I know too many people. Uh, but you look at some of that talent at um, Rose and what they're doing here in the offseason, and I see the videos they put out every day. You can see the the change in team strength. I think they're a team to reckon with. I think they're going to be really good. One of our viewers, probably got, Johnny yeah. Gardner, is going to uh, – or he has a question for you. I'm put it on the screen here. Yeah, Johnny, I think Southwest Edgecombe, you know, they're, they're always going to be good. I mean, always. And, and you're right. Getting over the hump, it seems to be an issue for them. And, you know, sometimes I think it's not even of their making. You know, I look at the playoff brackets the last couple of years, you know, you end up getting teams like 
I know North Davidson has come east and Ledford and some of these teams from the west that, that are exceptionally good that got kept getting pushed further and further east in the playoff brackets. I know that that's been a problem, uh, them going and, and, and winning some of those games, but, um, I don't know. I mean, Coach Cobb is a great guy. I mean, obviously the apple didn't fall too far from the tree with his father, Raymond Cobb, uh, Jonathan Cobb, that is, um, in being a good football coach. And, 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 and you know, that, that, that speaks volumes because I know a lot of some of these high profile jobs, uh, contacted him because, you know, they so well thought of trying to get him to come to their program. Uh, so I, I think Southwest Edgecombe, you know, I think they got a chance to be really good. Um, you know, they, they're in that same county with Tarboro. So, you know, they're always, um, probably trying to fight for talent and always trying to win that big game there. But I think that they, they got a chance to, to, to be in the mix. I think I've got them somewhere around about the 17th best team in the 2A right now. Chris, from a selfish standpoint, I have to ask about my Black Knights. You know, last year, slow start of the season and then really came on strong, made a nice push in the playoffs. And talk about Brian Flynn's club. Well, um, Brian, Brian's done a great job and he's a dear friend of mine and, and they're going to be really good. I've got both North Davidson and their new arch nemesis of coach Mark Holcomb uh, at Oak Grove. They, they are right there neck and neck, um, to win that conference. Uh, North has got a lot of skill talent, uh, great young quarterback, um, that had come up from Lexington high school. Uh, and, and they probably have the best kicker in the nation or at least one of them. Uh, so North Davidson's got a, Great program and, and they're going to be in the mix, but I, I don't even think even between them and Oak Grove, I think, you know, by the time they split the brackets off and you have the 2A and the 2AA, I think North Davidson will be up there in the 2AA as will Oak Grove, but I also, I still think the most talented team in that conference and I still think that they have got a chance to be on a collision course with Shelby is Salisbury. I think Salisbury is, is just tremendous this year. Uh, they went to the state championship game with a lot of sophomores and juniors last year. I don't even think that program has peaked. Uh, so I think that that's the real team to look at in that conference. And North okay. Davidson over the years um, has had some tremendous kickers over, over the last two decades. Um, going now, you have at NC State uh, with, with Christopher Dunn. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've – I don't know what they've got in the water there. And, you know, my first job in coaching was down at South Rowland and they, they put me in charge of the kickers because I was like the young guy on a 17 man staff. And, you know, we were playing North back there and they always had tremendous kickers. And I don't know if it's something they got going on up there in Welcome or Arcadia or some of those little communities up there, but they're certainly breeding some kickers somewhere because you're right. They've had some good ones. And Chris, since uh, Bubba's already been a homer, I guess it's okay for me to be a homer. Uh, as far as my alma mater is concerned, what about uh, Riverside High and Williamson, the Knights? Uh, do you think – how do they – are they a playoff team? What do you think? I, I think they are. And, and you know, Coach Asim McGill, he, he's one of the – probably one of the best guys out there. You know, he he's starting to work his way up to being probably one of the most tenured coaches in Eastern North Carolina for sure. I remember him way back in the day as an assistant at Lee County. And, gosh, we're probably going back about almost – 18, 19 years ago now. And, and just in that, um, I, I don't, I don't have a list of the players that they've got in front of me, but you know, I just know by looking at film that he had some fast, a lot of just a lot of great speed there at Riverside. He had a, a beach kid, I think two or three years ago, big tall guy, tremendous athlete. I'm not sure exactly where he ended up, but I, I know that that's a tough area to play. You got some competitive teams year in and year out. 
Uh, but I, I just don't think that an Asim McGill team is going to stay down for long. I think that they've got a chance to get back in there. Uh, and, you know, it's always some influx of teams that are on the rise and some going down. You know, I look at the coaching change. But I don't even think it's been announced yet up at Bertie. So, you know, you don't know what's happening there. You don't know if players are going to be moving uh, because of there, there's not a coach there. And uh, I, I think that they've got a chance to be okay. You know, they're, they're, they, they've kind of – Seem to be around a seven, six, seven win team. It seems like with a few spikes here and there, uh, but I don't see them going down by any means. And they, and definitely they, uh, not only with, uh, Riverside, but obviously the team that I cover, uh, with a local radio station, uh, Washington County. Uh, what do you think about them with, uh, the Panthers? Um, I, did they, have they made a coaching hire yet? I have not heard if they hired. I a haven't coach heard. Yet. Yeah, I haven't I heard. Do, I do know, and I I don't want to throw their their rumors out, but I do know they interviewed a pretty big time assistant from Kings Mountain in the three A rank. So you know that that's a long way for a coach across the country uh, with a young wife. But you know you'll see. I don't know what they're going to do, so I have no idea. Uh, but you know. I go back to my days when they were at Plymouth, you know, Bobby Cody is he's one of my best friends in the world. And he lived right beside school and he had always talked yeah. about driving the lawnmower to school every day. I um, mean, you just didn't get a better yeah, guy sure. than that. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I went to a game last year when they played Pamico, and that was an incredible game. In fact, I saw the King Tut kid have one of the most ferocious hits I ever saw in the game. Um, I don't know, you know, with a coach leaving after just one year like that, I don't know about the continuity, but I do know that they've got plenty of talent. I mean, you know, you got those young kids out there and you got so much speed. And um, now that they've got some bigger lights out there and you can actually see the games on Friday nights, I think they can throw the ball a little bit more. I remember going to a game in Plymouth years ago and I was amazed at how dimly lit the field was. Uh, but I was there at that game this year and they, they had some great looking kids and to be, you know, I mentioned Legion field kind of being the, the Fenway Park of high school football foster field right there in Plymouth. Yeah. It's a great environment for football. I don't know if it's because of the way the baseball field used to be set up or whatever, but, or, or just the level of football being played there, but I think they're going to be okay. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know a lot talent wise what they got, but I just know that that's a football community and you got a lot of kids and I know those fans expect to be good. No doubt about it. Chris, Chris earlier we talked about your stadium project. Uh, one of the things when I was promoting this show, I was talking about how you and Dina King decided to uh, join forces. So talk about that and, um, the new well, product yeah. you guys have or maybe. Maybe the same well, I product. Think but, I think it's going to uh, be better. But, man, uh, for 15 years or so, I, I got tired of banging my head up against the wall trying to compete against NC Preps. You know, such a fine product that was started really back in, like, 1991 with Arnold Solomon. So um, it, it was just an opportunity. Um, it, it, it's so expensive and such a just a drain on, on my resources to continue to run a site. And, you know, you make money, but – you really don't because everything you make goes back into trying to make it better. And it was an opportunity to, to consolidate our resources to, to work with her and the rivals brand and uh, kind of have some of the resources that they already had available uh, and established uh, message boards and, and different things like that. And, and I think that Dina and I have differing 
strengths. You know, I'm so much being a coach. I'm so much better with coaches and and and, and bringing some community aspect to it. And and when you talk about the recruiting game, you know, I know a lot about recruiting. But she's the queen of recruiting in this state. She there's not a player that don't fly under her radar because she knows who's coming and who's going. So I think that the uniqueness of what I was great at and what she was great at really works together well. And, and, and you know, we talked about it. It is time for us to just stop being rivals and really try to do what's best for our state because I think we both really love North Carolina more than anything, and we wanted to make sure that our state was the winner. So I think that's why we ended up doing what we did, and, and I'm anxious about it. And, you know, I, I think that it gives us a chance to be different but I also think that we were going to have the same good product. But, you know, it's just been so hard covering anything right now because you don't have anything to cover. So hopefully once the games come back and we can really show what we're, we're capable of. And, um, Chris, I know you alluded to this on one of your uh, Facebook um, stream your productions here in the last several weeks, but uh, just talk about um, in the way you and Dina and talk about the number of miles that you guys put on a car. I can't account for hers because I have no idea what she's done over the years, but I've worn out about two or three cars. In fact, I, I, I sold a forerunner I had because I had had back to back forerunners and then just the gas guzzling nature of those had worn me out. But, um, uh, I bought a Toyota Prius about two years ago. In fact, it was two years ago, June. And I, I looked at the mileage this morning and I bought it brand new. I put 89,000 miles on the car in about two years. So it gives wow. you an idea that I'm really burning it up in that car. But, you know, I always said you can't cover high school football being at home. So you got to go out there and see the teams and see the schools and see the coaches and the players and the games. If, if you're going to even think you're going to know what you're talking about. And I, that's just what I do. And you do it well. I want to give you a chance to plug this site and obviously – we want to have you back on in a month or two to get ready. It's hard to believe. Uh, no, normally, what we'd be talking about maybe conference play, but I guess we'll, it'll be weird to be saying preseason around what Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's it's going to be incredible. Um, I'm anxious to it. I'm I'm also anxious to hopefully see some private school games this fall. You know, they're going to get some coverage like they've never had before because you're going to have guys like me if they if they truly play. I want to be at every game they play. Uh, so you know, you got. Um, John Paul the third or the second down there in Greenville and, you know, a, a parrot Academy and huge private schools in the Charlotte area and in the West. So I hope to get a chance to see some private school ball. And I might even go across the state line and see some South Carolina ball. Cause I'm, I just want to see it and I'm anxious to be there. And, um, we're going to, if they're playing, we're going to be there. Tell folks about your website. Well, obviously, uh, go visit the Sedency Preps. Uh, again, part of the Rivals, uh, Rivals Network. Uh, I think it's the best in the world when you come to recruiting in North and South Carolina. Um, and, and, and obviously, Dina also, in addition to her work with NC Preps, is also uh, one of the contributors to the, the Tar Heel Illustrated site, which is also part of the Rivals Network. So she, she brings a lot of uh, recruiting knowledge to it. Um, and so, of course, I mean, by all means, check us out at NC Preps. And also, you know, I have my own show that I'm a co-host on with the Charlotte Observer on Monday nights, uh, Talking Preps. I've got Langston Wirtz and Dale Ross and Sam Griner and Jonathan Grice and Gary Richmond. You know, that's a great little synergy between the five of us. So, you know, we've got that going on as well. So, by all means, I'd appreciate anybody that wants to check us out, and we'll try to do a good job for you. No doubt we will appreciate you my friend. And uh, thanks for all the hard work you and Dina do. And uh, definitely when we think about high school football, we think about you. 
And uh, I texted uh, before the show Coach Harold Robinson because I knew you were coming on. And it was funny you were talking about texting uh, him. And uh, certainly we hope we can have you back on, like I said, probably sometime in the fall as we get ready for high school football. It's hard to say. I'm looking at a message right here beside me, and you get me and Harold on here, and, and I, mean, I heard you guys talking about Sonny, old Jay Sonhalter. I'm sure yeah. we'll have some fun between the three of us, so we'd love to do it. We'll definitely do it. Appreciate you, buddy, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris Hughes there from North Carolina Preps. Appreciate him. Uh, and I tell you what, it's hard to believe with high school football knock, being, knocking at the door like we normally have, but just the COVID world we live in, I was telling some friends last week, is kind of like living in the twilight zone, especially if you're uh, living during this uh, crazy time, uh, for sure. All right, I uh, appreciate uh, Chris Hughes so much. And uh, obviously, Brian Bailey, a dear friend, we've known him for, I was a young broadcaster, 23 years old, and I tell that story all the time. Brian put up with me as a 23-year-old uh, getting started in the business and uh, <laughs> setting up all those uh, live broadcasts. Uh, I still get uh, now nervous in the fourth quarter, about 12 minutes uh, anxious, if you will, uh, knowing that normally I used to leave the football game in my seat to cover the post game. I had to leave at the 12-minute mark. want to give a shout-out to our good friend Pirate Al. Talked to him earlier today on the phone. He's trying to help us out with some guests uh, and uh, definitely going to have Pirate Al on Alan Powell very, very soon. You can listen to 50 Pirates in 50 Days. We're going to keep that going. Obviously, uh, with uh, 50 great pirates of the past and uh, coaches and the, of the like as well, uh, we appreciate it. We've got a lot of great programming coming up. Our next show will be Thursday night, and uh, we'll have that on. Patrick Johnson's coming on, and we'll have a lot of great uh, people on as well. Patrick does uh, the show on 94.3 The Game, The P-Man for 5 until 6, The Drive Time Show in Greenville, uh, 94.3 The Game. You can hit that tune-in radio uh, for sure. All right, thanks so much for being a part of our show, and we'll see you next time on the Sports Objective. Thanks for watching and listening. Go Pirates. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to the Sports Objective podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.